podcast, The Final Frontier. These are the conversations of the friendship Matt Myra and Andrew Secunda. Their continuing mission. To seek out old adventures with contrived civilizations. To boldly watch episodes that one of them has watched before. Welcome to Star Trek The Next Conversation, the number one semi-monthly podcast about Star Trek. I'm Matt. I'm Andy. And I'm Devanani Rao. Yes, Devanani's here. We're back in business, everybody. It's April. Can you believe it, Andy? It's already April 2020. Oh, finally. My favorite month. I know how you love those April showers because you're a big <laughs> fan of May flowers. <laughs> I mean, it's all about the May flowers, so <laughs> they can't happen. <laughs> Unless we have the April showers. Everybody knows this. Uh, you know, I was thinking, Matt, mm-hmm. you should, uh, I think you should maybe think about, yeah, we'll see if there's an uproar over this, switching in. The uh, the Q um, clip for the opening instead of Devanani Rall. You know, more the merrier. It's going to be Q Town, certainly. Q Town. Q Town. Q Town. I wasn't that a Broadway play? What was it? Avenue Q. There we go. That's right. Q Town. Is... Oh, that would have been another. It's another good new new Q title. Avenue Q Town. Uh, yeah. Look, I where where did I put it? I don't even know where that is, Andy. I can find it, uh, but I don't uh, think I mean, it's mutually know, just for the future. It's not mutually exclusive. I think that both can can exist uh, peacefully. Devinati Rall, of course, and Q. Do you think Q would be a fan of Devinati Rall? That's a good question. Mm. They're both mm. Mm. problems in different ways. So <laughs> They're both problems in different ways. That's right. <laughs> I'm God. There it is. Uh, well, I mean, look, there's a lot happening here. New Picard trailer came out, which uh, trailer is very, I don't know, uh, teaser. It was a teaser. Teaser, yeah. yeah it's a teaser. Because it was yeah. just, you know, shots of his... I, what Do you think that was his... Do you, I guess my question is, uh, I guess this is not spoiled. It's not spoilers, but do you think that was his holographic uh, Chateau Picard office? <laughs> or do you think he went to Starfleet archives and just pulled a bunch of stuff and redecorated? <laughs> oh, good question. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I think that in our mind's eye, it's supposed to be actual Chateau Picard. Well, then, I just right? I can't wait to see him going to Starfleet Archives and pulling all that stuff out. <laughs> it's a giant locker. He's That's episode up one. Like. like, if that was a season two, episode one, just him yeah. going and, like, spinning yarns about each thing he pulled out, I'd be fine. I'd be like, okay. Sure. <laughs> That's probably, that description gets to the action quicker than the uh, the first season. <laughs> Uh, what if in every subsequent season the new character they uh, they introduce they do the same teaser so if it's like Worf they'll have to spell out Worf vertically <laughs> with the R and Picard I'm not, uh, I'm not opposed to it I'm not opposed to it uh, alright today is a good day to die or Worf cr- no it's, it's today is a good day to cry because they're old to now cry. that's uh, true alright so this is I gotta do this let's say mm-hmm 
Whoa, see, that's a little too loud. So I got to pull that back a little bit and then I can play that sound. And here we go. Nope, it didn't work either. Having a lot of tech problems down in engineering there, pal. Well, you know, it's very... Uh, yes, uh, well, yeah, sure, watch the episode. I was talking about the tech problems at first, and then I had to remember. I better actually say the thing I was supposed to say. <laughs> what were you going to say instead? No, I was talking about the, the tech problems, the weirdness. Oh, I see. The weirdness gotcha. that's going on with the But then you remembered you had, a, you had a deadline to answer the question. That's right, and I, I got right. there. I hit the post. Uh, mm-hmm. Okay, so, Andy, let's... let's uh, Let's hit the Admirals Club, I suppose. Why not? Say hello to our Admirals. I hope this plays. Let's find out. <laughs> no! Luckily, that cut out. It's so weird. Like this, this sound thing. And, and this is going to be the Admirals Club. Oh, this should be all A. I see. Let me unmute A. <laughs> I'd like to see Jordy have a day like this. I mean, sometimes he does. You <laughs> just know? looking around the looking around the consoles, trying to figure it out hey. as the ship is in progress. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, look, I can't really get anything done because Data is temporarily relieving himself of duty. So, <laughs> they sound quiet. Is that the faces? That the face is quiet. Yeah, it is quiet, and, 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 and we'll figure it out eventually. All right. Very good. All right, Andy. Anyway, we're in the Admirals Club. Matt, how do they get into the Admirals Club? Well, all you got to do is go leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. It's funny to me that that sound clip is out of date because iTunes doesn't exist anymore. <laughs> um, which sound clip? What do you mean? The, the jingle is go to iTunes and leave a five-star review. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it doesn't exist. The program's gone. I don't remember what loyal listener, member of our crew, gave us that. But if you want to do an updated one, <laughs> you cram in Go the words Apple, Apple Podcast. <laughs> yeah, it'll work. Yeah, they get it. Uh, it's quaint now. Yes. Um, our first is from Music Man Dan, <laughs> who is from Lands Beyond, but I don't remember because <laughs> it was. <laughs> it's been a little while since I put this one into the thing. Let's say the UK. If not, you, you can correct it later, Music Man. Um, I'm a big fan. Pips, please. Such great banter. Please don't go away. Keep up the great insight. Also, beam me up to the captain's chair, and I'll love the new Pips on my collar. <laughs> wow. I mean... Captain's chair? You're, hey, you're really club, and you... I guess, theoretically, if you're an admiral, then you demand to, you know, yeah, to take command, well, then I guess you could do it. You know, it's a tale as old as time. We've seen it done many, sure. many times. Uh, yeah. Most notably by uh, Captain Kirk. Well, yes. Yeah. Although, I mean, you know, that's essentially Spock. what Star Trek: The Motion Picture is. No, he takes it from oh, Decker. That oh, that's right. Remember, that's he right. takes, he takes from it Decker. from Decker. Yeah, you're right. I mean, I mean, he does it in Star Trek too, too. And then he's like, uh, "Bones, they they gave me the they gave me it back, Bones." And then McCoy's like, "Gave it to you, Jim." <laughs> <laughs> in Star Trek Two, he's uh, there's a whole conversation where Spock has to talk him into it. I guess because they felt like he was too much of a dick in one. Yeah. I mean. Um. He should have been like, I'm going to give it to the worst cadet. That's how I got a command now. <laughs> well, this guy can't be in charge. I guess I should take over. <laughs> you gave it to him, Jim. I got to relieve him of duty. Well, you see how it is, McCoy. It's not anything you wouldn't do. Uh, yes. Speaking of McCoy, cat doctors in command. McCoy's an admiral. He's in the admiral's club. Oh, yeah. There you go. So is he in charge of Starfleet Medical? He must have been, right? Yeah, at some point. 
I assume. Um, you never. If they, wonder if they if, let uh, if they let Crusher do it twice, then they're gonna let McCoy do it. <laughs> he was wandering around the ship. I wonder if he uh, he had a face to face with Beverly. Oh yeah, he should have. I don't know why uh, he had to have the scene with Data so he could say something insulting like a Vulcan. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. Oh yeah, of course. Um. All right, our next uh, Admiral admittee is Jonah Welch, who writes, Why be Koffel when you can be K-less? It's, you know, it's K-full, but it doesn't... Uh, I'm just trying to make it clear how he spelled it. Um, I really helped a bit there. Wait, why, uh, perfect. Wait, how did he spell it? K-A-H-F-U-L. Yeah, that's how you spell I understand, but I, you, if I said, Why be k when you can be K-less? It doesn't really read, whereas... K A H F U L reads like careful a little bit. <laughs> Look, I think the point came across either way. Either You're way. probably right. It doesn't matter. Perfect, amazing exclamation point. 10 out of 10 show. Thank you, Matt and Andy, for such a fantastically entertaining auditory experience. I cannot wait for the epic but inevitably disappointing crossover theatrical release, Star Trek. Uh, colon conversations featuring the boys from the Delta Flyers, Jonathan Frakes, Nacho, anyone else we can get from any Star Trek cast, and Devanani Rall in theaters 2022. Love you guys, Joan. All right, we got a year to put that together. <laughs> uh, that's it for the Admirals Club. All we right, play that. Let's. Ha- and. <sighs> you had it before. You know. It, 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 don't understand the program is doing a weird thing right where the where it decides to clip itself uh-huh. uh you mean it's sentient yes Ooh. i mean it's feeling some emotion it matt we be, have to release it it might be anger that might be the emotion that it's, it's immoral to hold on to it uh, it has sentience I, I, I want to figure that out well in the meantime we should probably head into the president's circle uh, here we go. Oh, you fucker. Do you want to take a break and take a look at no. it? No. It'll all come up in the, in the, you know what I mean. Flash? Post? <laughs> I'll pull it okay. all up in post. Kind of. All right. Uh, here we are. We're in the president's circle. <laughs> we sure are. This is uh vi- you want to be They're all looking at us confused is why it's so quiet. Yes. If you'd um, like to join the president's circle, you could do so. Go to patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC and become a member of the president's circle. And with that membership, you get four bonus podcasts every single month. Two episodes of Enterprise, two episodes of Voyager. If you want to do uh <clears throat> Lieutenant's level. You can get yourself two episodes of Enterprise every month. We're we talking about that just like we do this show, only somehow messier. Uh, maybe not. Andy, who is the Christopher Matt. Pike Medal of Valor, which is given to a uh, particularly enjoyable comment? Uh, this week it goes to Lieutenant Ross, the headless Thompson Gunner McLeod. Mm. Um, both because uh, Lieutenant McLeod is going through a little bit of a difficult time, which. Um, um, he didn't necessarily want red on the air, but uh, wanted to give him our support. Well, and be, on top of that, what if this? What if the Medal of Valor makes it worse? It, it could be a curse. <laughs> if it does, if it is, then I'm really sorry, Lieutenant McLeod. But he also had two uh, pertinent points. One was when looking at the five line payment thing: is uh, that dependent on what is aired or what is worked? 
Shot. It's what is shot because you're hired to what do. What is shot? You're hired is that to true? do. You're hired to do the five. Yeah. Right. Right. Yes. Yeah. So that's the contract at the top. Yeah. So if an actor records more than five lines, is that enough to have the payment, even if all the lines don't make it to the final cut? Oh, that's what he means by work. Yeah. Or is it based on how many lines make the final cut? Uh, I'm, I'm inclined to agree. However, yes. What I wonder, uh, what the what the the variation is, because uh, there, I remember at least once that I ad libbed a line. Um, I had no lines, and then I ad libbed a line, and then they used it, and then they upped me to an under five. That's different. That's a right. bump. Like you weren't there to. They. It, but it was still. Yeah. They still paid me as an under five, though, don't they? Yeah, but if they, but I mean, if for instance, if they like threw more lines at you and you had five lines in there, they would have bumped you yeah. up. Right, right. They're, 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 oh, right. They can, oh, right, right. Yeah, right. The, yeah. As, as far as I, you're saying, not as far as I remember, SAG can you can bump up, but not down. They can't bump you down once you're hired for something. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. Um, and then his second point is in the last TNC episode, it seemed that you marked down Timescape because there was no individual or overall development, even though you really enjoyed the episode. My question is this Does it always have to be that way? For a, com- uh, for a comparison, what I mean is this I heard a review of a band's album, and it was said that it was a great album, but it didn't push any boundaries or break any barriers like the band had done before. So it was marked as average. It was a great album. So why was it marked down? Because this time they didn't break the mold. Our TV episodes graded the same way. I hope you and yours are all safe and well. Uh, well, the Andes are graded however we feel like it because we made we made it up. But right. I would say to that, we have I think built into the system is that five Andy grade where uh-huh. it be, where it's very average. Uh huh. So I think I think episodes can only go up or down. But by from av- five. by average. That by that use of average, you're saying completely mathematically in the middle, as opposed to that's a thoroughly average episode, like kind of a critique. Yeah, but even if it was a thoroughly average episode, it would get a five for me. For me, uh-huh. I mean, you know, that's usually how I try to do it. See, I feel like the tone of thoroughly average, and this may be part of the problem of, of what mm, he's pointing out. Thoroughly average. The though, tone of average suggests boring. That, but that's that's different. Right, because boring. If, right. It, if it truly bored us to death, it would be a three or a two. You know what I mean? Right. But if you met a person, and I don't say, give, hey, what do you think of that person? I don't rate persons with Andes. <laughs> well, that's where we're different. <laughs> <laughs> I rate them right to their face. Uh, Four point five. You didn't hold up your end of the bargain in this conversation, friend. <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's an interesting question. One thing that I, I would say is that it's a reflection when we dock any, any points. Sometimes it's not a logical, like, you know, we give lots of our, our, our long-winded reasons, but the, the, sometimes for me anyway, it's like, it just felt like you know was why was it not a 10 and why was it a nine instead for instance it means it was a fantastic episode but it didn't quite like excite me in some way that like you know was just like oh my god that takes it up to the full 10 um and i I, maybe in our internal analysis that was because it's just like because it hit all the things we were expecting it to hit in a great way but it didn't like you know knock us on our ass in one extra point way yeah. That's the way I interpret Look, it, and I, I interpret it slightly differently. And that's mm-hmm. that's what makes us quite a team, right? That's why I give 
that that's why response that's, by you that's why he gives a, and does not receive four andes <laughs> all right that's it we're into the priority one messages my friend all righty let's get out of here with that fancy door no these are priority one messages we're still in the president circle for this well let's circle back <laughs> Oh, there's too many sounds for my computer. <laughs> All right, Andy, what are our what are our what are our patrons you know, saying? Everyone's always very aware of how many mistakes either of us make. This is what it's like when we're even just the tiniest bit rusty. So if we ever do a reunion tour where we've been off for a while, just be ready for the whole thing to take seven hours. We'd need the audience. Um, We'd need the audience to do the sound cues for us and tell us what was next. Yeah. They would know it better. Uh, Lieutenant Andy Puckett, head of astrophysics, pending performance review. So he's asking to be up to head of astrophysics, Matt. That's what it, that that reads like to me. Well, I mean, look, he, he that's he wants that lieutenant commander. He's already the head of astrophysics. I see. So you're, I see. You're saying he wants to be bumped up. He wants the rank bump, which that's, is under review. Uh, we discussed this last night. He's under review. It's under review. Uh, okay, there you go. Oh, oh, we did discuss it. Yeah, I see. Okay, it was well, in the pa- in the, in the Patreon. Uh well, Lieutenant Puckett, that's uh that's not my call. I've I've no. Look, you're under review. You're up for promotion. I'm letting you know. Um, warning: violations of the law of physics in progress on the bridge of the Enterprise. This is about Timescape. Before they head down to engineering, Data says the equipment is no longer functioning, but that they can read uh, what's already on the screens. Then, just to prove him wrong, question mark. Uh, Picard goes up to the horseshoe and pushes a bunch of buttons to get new information. There should be no time for those signals to be processed within the computer. But worse, Picard rotates his chair console and notes that they can move objects in that time frame. But time is moving so insanely slowly, the mass of that console should require an insane amount of force to move it. F equals MA, uh, Captain. Um, and then uh, Great Terrible Lizak uh, responded, are you saying that data should have been right about the uh, and the bridge equipment shouldn't have worked or that the equipment does work because time isn't frozen, just super slow, and the computers are just that fast? And then Lieutenant Puckett responds, okay, it's math time. Warp core breach already in progress. Explosion will consume the ship in 9.3 hours. But when they accidentally start uh, time flowing again, it happens in about 32 seconds. So time should be running a thousand times slower than normal. A millisecond passes for every second experienced by the away team. Light can travel at about a million feet in that time. So assuming the computer runs on fiber optics, it should be fast enough. Uh, modern TVs can refresh their displays 120 times per second, which would mean waiting about eight seconds for each new frame. Damn. Data should have noticed that the computers weren't frozen, just lagging, especially when Picard started pressing buttons. But don't make me go any further into into the physics. If time is running a thousand times slower, then everything should look a thousand times fainter, so the same amount of light bounces off their surroundings in both time frames. And then he goes on to say... <laughs> With a factor of a thousand times between the two timelines, um, Asterix Warp Core Breach would take nine hours, 17 minutes, equals 33,420 uh, times a second, uh, or whatever, a second, take out the times, but takes only 32 seconds once time flows normally again. Then he goes back to the main point, the light reaching Picard's eyes should be a thousand times fainter, and they'd better be talking by communicator because the sound 
should travel a thousand times slower once it gets into the ship's air. And don't even get me started on the huge displacements of air on the ship as the away team moves through it. But I guess maybe they could breathe breathe by pushing air in and out of the skin-tight membrane. Shit, I broke it. Uh, I mean, I always always thought that as a kid, that the computer shouldn't be working. But then, yes, if it's In this episode. Yes, if it's running on fiber optics, sure. Isolinear chips, though, I don't know how fast those process. Do they process, like, is it like a subspace relay where it's going faster in subspace? Like, how does their computer core work? We don't know. I'm going to allow it. But I I appreciate the deep dive into the actual physics of that episode, which is, to say, impossible. Lowly Lieutenant Puckett. Lowly? <laughs> he's he's not an ensign. He's not a lieutenant junior grade. He's a he's a he's a straight up pro lieutenant, pro lieutenant, no. pro lieutenant. Yeah. Is that higher? Mister the ultimate trekker writes. Uh, when and how did Picard cut those fingernails? They just vanished. Others had commented this too. Oh, Odd point. Wait, did he cut the? I think it was. Wasn't it? Wasn't there a time cut there? I assume he oh, dealt what? with it. I don't think so. Yeah, because they had just scanned him like. He was holding his his hand had hurt, and they were looking at the tricorder readings. So I assumed it was a time cut. All right, and he was like, well, "I can't have these nails." <laughs> I look like a, a a rank amateur here, <laughs> not keeping myself up. Lieutenant Carl Moore writes, it, uh, "It always amuses me in Star Trek how many times something can't be switched off. In this episode, it's the power transfer beam. Surely it's just the twenty fourth century equivalent of jump leads." My understanding is that all primary power comes from the warp core, so surely if they shut that down, it will kill the beam and also prevent the core breach? Yeah, we guess it would. Guys, what are jump leads? Guys, stop, uh, stop, what, what are what? Jumper. Yeah, we got a lot of, we got a lot of nitpickers. That's uh, the, that's, that's this week. the UK says leads instead of cables or wires, so those are jumper oh, cables. Jumper cables. I don't understand your foreign tongue, Carl Moore. Lisa Simpson writes, uh, everybody talks about TNG getting good with Riker's beard, but my demarcation has always been that DS9 kicks into gear when Cisco shaves his head. I'm not the only one, right? No. The first seasons limp along while about while Cisco, uh, and then there's a thing, a spoiler, uh, but when he gets his groove back, baby, it's on. I, I it's that's a thousand percent. Once he once he goes full uh Spencer for hire, Avery Brooks. Yeah. Does Spencer for hire shave his head? No, he but in Spencer for Hire, Avery Book Brooks has a shaved head and a goatee. <laughs> oh I see. <laughs> yeah. Uh I forgot that Avery Brooks was in that. Um I only saw a couple of episodes of that. Was that a good show? Was that one of yours? Uh, we watched it a lot. It was shot in Boston, so it was a uh, big, big watch gotcha. over there. Lieutenant Jorgen Peterson writes, I got to know. Hawk. Hawk uh, was it, his name, remember? Yes. I mean, I don't, but that, mm. that rings a bell. Uh, I've got to know if you, re- what was he, his partner? What was yeah. he? A cop? Yeah. Partner? I got to know if well, you've read the, Michael Dorn's. He was for hire, so that means he's a private eye. <laughs> Come on. No, no, not, not, not Spencer. Not Spencer. Was I more mean, Hawk. What was Hawk? Hawk was his buddy. Okay. 
Do you think they got the idea from Buck Rogers and Hawkman? Yeah, for sure, Andy. Yeah, I think so, too. (laughs) (laughs) I've got to know if you've read Michael Doran's uh, Worf TV series pitch. It's the perfect blend of the Star Trek we know and a brand new take at the same time. Uh, The full quote is below uh, and at this link if you're in the... um, Patreon, you can look that up under Jorgen Peterson. Basically, the script I wrote was, this is Dorn's quote, instead of looking at the Klingon Empire from Starfleet, we look at Starfleet from the Klingon Empire, and it has been going on for decades. The Klingon Empire just can't go on. It's the Russians, basically, and they decide that they have to either die with a sword in their hands and go extinct or change the times and become something different. And Worf is the guy that says, we have to change with the times. That is the war- mark of a warrior. So two things happen. They start letting on, letting other races hmm. into the Klingon world, and the only way they can do that is by letting in Starfleet officers. That's sort of the way it's done. Well, we'll let in other people, but first Starfleet officers, because we understand Starfleet, they're soldiers, we're soldiers. Um, and he kind of goes on. Um, I, I mean, it, I like the pitch. Yeah, I can. Do you want me to read the rest of this thing? I mean, it sounds fantastic. Yeah, it's also like a. It's it me. sounds like it's also been done a little bit since then, yeah, and I wonder if been, they he's learned been kicking it about for so long. Like, it's so weird to me that they just don't make it. Yeah, you know what I mean. What do you mean? Like, why not just make that? Like, why? Why not give Michael Dorn a show? For sure, particularly based on this pitch. It's really solid. Yeah. And, you know, what, is he going to do a, a worse job than... Uh, no, he won't. Personal. Is the answer to that. You know, you know where I'm going. The answer to that is no, he won't. <laughs> yeah. Um, it sounds like he, this this idea at least sounds truer to the to the franchise. Yeah. Um, I should do it now. Um, Let's see. Uh, and then uh, and then Maladin from Michigan writes, uh, I would like to know, how did we get through the entire episode without Matt mentioning the time he got mad at LeVar Burton for not remembering <laughs> this particular episode? And if they want to make Picard season two an absolute success, an absolute success, they need to cast Biff Yeager as Captain Rupert Crandall. He's the only one with the range to play such an iconic captain. <laughs> oh, my God. If Biff Yeager popped up in... Picard oh, yeah. as that chief. Boy, engineer. would it make me happy! Oh, I would love Actually, it so much. Tom Tom Bondurant backs him up and says, "Sign me up for the adventures of Biff Yeager. I would especially enjoy seeing him shot down by holographic Leah Brahms." Did we mention Biff Yeager in the last episode? And that's why they're talking about him. I don't. We might have said the adventures of Biff Yeager. Uh, memory beta only lists a few. Yeah, because I was asking what are the memory beta Argyle things. Um. Uh. Memory beta on the list, a few Argyle follow-up stories, including one. Do you want to hit the uh, memory beta theme? Uh, I would, I'd like to. I don't know where that is. Right, at your leisure. That's, a, that's such a rare feed. You know what I mean? That I don't know where that is. <laughs> Uh, then Look, again, the I, don't know, I don't know where sound is. Who is touting your soundboard that you could see everything? I can. That's the problem. It's too much. <laughs> too much input. You just got to do a search like I did. Uh, when things were running smoothly... <laughs> Um, anyway, in a disturbing trend, most of these stories feature him getting killed in increasingly brutal ways. These are memory beta spoilers, if you don't want to hear it. Um, skip ahead 30 seconds. The Borg did it twice, once when they blew up the USS Excalibur, and again in... Memory beta. I mean, I'll, I would take that as a segment every, every time. Oh, come on. There you go. 
Well worth it. Uh, the Borg did it twice, only when they blew up the USS Excalibur and again in an alternate timeline called The Worst of Both Worlds. Uh, comic I book story. want to meet the person that decided that? to skip ahead 30 seconds because they didn't want the memory beta for Biff Yeager's character spoiled. <laughs> I can see <laughs> you know, it. Like, you know. I don't want it. I don't want it. You're never going to get to it. You're never going to get to it, person who did that. <laughs> You don't know that that person's not going to get to it. Maybe that person reads all the novels. Maybe they maybe they have a stack of Biff Yeager beta material on their desk right now. It's if it, the only person who has that is Biff Yeager. The person who wrote those <laughs> books does not have that. They're demanding more stories about me. She, uh, a comic book story, had him murdered by someone with a parentheses very specific grudge against the enterprise's chief engineers <laughs> that is a specific grudge and in yet another alternate timeline he was decapitated by the klingons these are all hilarious accordingly i prefer to think argyle hopping uh, of argyle hopping galaxies with boston captain <laughs> above the uss yastremsky <laughs> where he's free to run and play and share adventures with snarf the lovable talaxian morale argyle we gotta get back to the yes <laughs> <laughs> what a bunch of knuckleheads uh great uh great hail lieutenant ponderant <laughs> oh man biff yeager uh <laughs> fucking letter writing campaign him writing those letters. They want they're demanding me, she so funny to me. I love it. I love it so much. And I and Don't I, you see the outpouring? Look, I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say we it, it, him doing that in a way gave us the character of Geordie LaForge that we all know and love, Chief Engineer of the Enterprise. Um but I just would love to see the world where. Do you think that they maybe just pinned worked. it on him? He wasn't that interesting a character. Nothing personal, Biff. Well, he wasn't. No one was interesting at that point. Do you know what I mean? It was so well, early in the run. So you you feel like he could have become Jordy? Sure. No, yeah. not Jordy. I, I think Levar Burton brought a lot to the character. No, I don't mean like Jordy would have been. No, I think out he could have. He would have been the chief engineer yeah. and been like a major part of story. Yes. Yeah, I think so. Interesting. Wow, he really screwed himself. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Um. All right, what am I talking about here? Lizzie D writes, uh, am I the only one wondering how they could evacuate all the Romulan crew after the warbird disappeared and returned to its own timeline? That captain's log has bothered me to no end for many, many years. <laughs> I guess I never thought about it. It's really, guys, you guys are really just poking holes in this episode, I enjoy. Yeah, I don't know. Timescape, you don't usually do it, even though it's a very... It's a very trekky thing to do to say this doesn't add up, and I don't look at this tiny thing and whatever and all that. It's just something that that you know is part of the culture. This podcast doesn't tend to have a lot of. I mean, it's not like I'm choosing not to to read them. They don't come in those kinds of hails. Yeah, because we usually do it ourselves. I wonder why. I wonder why this episode. Because I was looking at it through rose-colored glasses. Oh, they they felt like you fell down on the job. I not believe, absolutely. Yeah. I think that's what's happening here. Lieutenant Cam writes, when time reverses the Romulan, unshoots Beverly. When mm. time, Here's another one like this. When time goes back to normal, he shoots and misses. Then she clutches her belly like she was almost shot, and the Romulan says the doctor got in the way. So... 
Do they remember what happened when time was weird? Does Beverly remember being shot? Because she wasn't shot. Uh, yeah, there's a residual echo. You know, same way, <laughs> the, same way Data sends messages to himself. <laughs> I see. Into another time loop. Yeah. That's always sort of bumped me, even though that's a fantastic episode. The great and terrible Lizak uh, writes, if Data really tried not watching the kettle boil, how does he know it reached its boiling point at 51.7 seconds? And if he had the computer notify him when it, was, when it boiled, then the computer was watching it. If Data counts as a person watching it, then the computer counts too. The experiment is flawed. It's a really good point, Lizak. A lot to unpack there. Um, that is it. For our priority of, one uh, messages, critiquers All right. in now we can the go. president circle. And now we can hear regular messages. Yep. Ugh. Income. Ugh. Ugh. The sound is just we've destroyed. I've destroyed the soundboard. I don't know. I don't know. What did you do? I don't know. I don't know what I did. I didn't do anything. I think this is post-update. There was like an update of this app that ruined the app. Uh, here, I'll play it again. What's the app? Captain, incoming message. Incoming message. Uh, Farago? Matt, as long as my precious dulcet tones are intact. Your tones are fine. That's the most important thing. Um, I also, you might want to peek in uh, today's sounds. I got uh, something. Uh, look, you're up. expecting me to play a new sound here? Not not yet, not yet, not on this one. I'm selling you one, one hail ahead. Jason Burris writes us, uh, Andy, and to a lesser extent, Matt, he's knowing that you don't read these things. Uh, I think Timescape, in addition to just being an outstanding episode of Trek, is significant for uh, TNC for one other big podcast moment. Timescape was the source of, oh no, this is, this, is, this is the same thing. Timescape was the source of what is assuredly my favorite Matt Myra moment, moment <laughs> on the Nerdist podcast. After referencing the episode, Matt was stunned to learn that the guest, none other than LeVar Burton, had no memory of this, one of Matt's favorite episodes. And so Matt badgers him almost relentlessly while trying to jog his memory with details about the episode. It's hysterically funny. And LeVar is so damn cool and handles it so smoothly. That was almost 10 years ago. I wondered if Matt, in subsequent interactions with LeVar, ever followed up about this episode since LeVar attempted to pl- placate him by promising to watch it, or perhaps in a meta sort of way. Oh, that's funny. I haven't asked. Has Matt forgotten this episode? Do you have his text, his, his text the way of Frakesies? No. Uh, has now forgotten this episode? No, he's, he hasn't forgotten it. Uh, I No, look, I, I think about that all the It was so funny because I was late. I remember running into that podcast late, and LeVar Burton was already sitting down. Yeah. And then I just started going. <laughs> and then he didn't yeah. remember Timescape. And I was like, what? come on. And I tried to remember, tried to refresh his memory by reciting like what he was doing in the episode. <laughs> sure. It's very funny. Uh, like but, people talking to me about improv shows. I have no memory. Uh, I don't remember Goldberg's episodes. I don't remember anything. No, I, I, it's funny because I don't either. So it's just the, the, I don't know if it was like a naivete that, it was excitement. You were so excited. Yeah, but also like just the idea of like, why do you not remember that when I can't? I can't remember things we did last week. You know what I mean? Like, because yeah. to you, the the fake universe was the most important thing, not yeah. like your real life. Exactly. So <laughs> the um, but yeah, no. And Lavar is super friendly, and like I've had dinner with him, and 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 I, you know, it, it's always it's like delightful when we see each other and. 
I have. I don't think I've asked him if he's seen it. So now that that's in my head, I will. Since it was ten years ago, I will, <laughs> next time I see Lamar Burton, I will ask. Um. So, uh, this now I'm very curious. Uh, so this next one uh, I've attached a clip from an audiobook, uh, which had me laughing after Matt shared James Doohan's questionable accents impressions in the Relics audiobook, which was the best thing ever. This uh, clip is of Gates McFadden, and she absolutely gives Andy a run for his money in quote quality of accents when reading the Hales. Thanks for the podcast, Chris. All right. Oh, sorry, English Northern accent. Sorry, Chris. Oh no, I need you to start the that opportunity. again. I don't. I don't even. I, what? Which one's the Northern Manchester? accent? Manchester. Can you give me? A, give me a taste. Uh, I'm trying to think of who, like Christopher Eccleston. Hmm. Is like sort of proper? No, it's very, it's very like uh, every man working class kind of. So it's it kind of like a, I've attached a clip from an audio book. That kind that's, of thing. you know, that's close. That here, here, I'll play this Manchester <laughs> accent. Here we go. Oh, of course, that won't play either. I have been doing quite a few accents. Um, party and part. No, I throw a party. It sort of just takes me back to uh, the Manchester accent and then I can start to work on some of the sounds when I'm talking just talking like this it's a lot harder sounds kind of jersey obviously I don't know what I'm going to be saying so I'm just going to keep working on it until I start get get quite right if I'm working (laughs) attached a clip from an audio book which I don't know she wasn't specific enough I need a real extreme version Hang on, it's Liam Gallagher. Ready? Ah, sound. Okay. But in the north of England, it's an uh, so it's something, something. So it's a small difference, but it is there. And again, we'll see it throughout this interview. So he said something, something. Right? So that's Liam. Uh, so here, this listen. <laughs> Liam Gallagher. Listen to Gallagher. Listen to Liam Gallagher. So I had a geezer called Mr. Smith, and he was a Cockney, and he looked like John Lennon, proper hippie, yeah. and stunk of coffee. Here he's talking about... Fucking stunk of coffee. <laughs> All right. Anyway, there you go. So if you want to... a vibe for that. Can you do I it? thought you were saying... I thought you were saying, this is Liam Gallagher. And I'm like, Liam Gallagher's giving accent lessons? What's happened to Liam Gallagher? This guy's giving accents on how to sound like Liam Gallagher. Interesting. Five normal teenage lads who have been having a lot of fun, working very hard, and it seems to have kind of blown up. So we're, we're very lucky boys. That's... So about them called moaned a lot. So it's just a bit like, oh, fuck, you know, I was like sitting there thinking, right, maybe this is all it. I need to get the person shit intact and that. Right? Can you, can you see the... Yeah, there you go. Okay. Huh. Anyway, that was not um, Andy's accent corner. It was uh, me showing Andy's ac- Andy some accents. <laughs> uh, <laughs> it was Matt showing Andy accent corner. Uh, anyway, we have that clip. Uh, that Chris sent in that should be in today's sounds. Yeah, let's see how that. Uh, which one is it? Um, is, is it identical Rikers? No, no. It's Gates audiobook. Oh, this is an That's MOV it. file. Let me see if I can play this. Here we go. Morgan leaned back again. Yet I am an officer in Starfleet, just as you are. We are sworn to stand side by side, not rend each other like beasts. You are a warrior. I am a warrior. Surely there is a common ground on which we may meet. I would like that. Good. I may even have an idea in that regard. 
an idea? Yes. Do you recall that I asked you if you had created any holodeck programs of your own? And I said that I had. Fit for a warrior, no doubt. <laughs> I like to think so. What, what was that? Jamaican? I don't know. That's the thing. It's like, even when I'm, even, even when I'm completely doing an excruciating accent, I think you can at least know, you can at least guess what I'm trying to do. That is pretty. I have no idea what she's doing. That's pretty wild. Yeah. All right, Gates. Um, let's see. Uh, David Sidhu writes us, hey guys, great to have you back. Here is a doozy for you. Uh, how would you rank these seven things? TOS, TNG, DS9, Voyager, Star Wars, A New Hope, The Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi. I mean, one ranking of all seven from seventh to first. Dave, I don't know if this is a fair thing for me, first of all, because A, I haven't seen DS9, and B, I don't know if it's fair to rank a, a movie against the series. Because I could look at, like, you know, best of both worlds. Yeah. And I would say I might rank that higher than Return of the Jedi. Mm-hmm. But in terms of like quality of a whole series, you know, I might put Empire Strikes Back above like a whole series, but I don't think that's fair. They only had to perfect the one two hours or however long it is. I guess it's like, which, what would you rank them in order of uh, likelihood to watch again? But still, like, that's a whole series versus a thing. Like, if I put even one of the series above any of the movies, that's there pretty go. amazing. And frankly, I probably would put all of them above Return... I mean, I'm probably going to watch Return of the Jedi again, but... I didn't um, realize you're such a Return of the Jedi hater. I'm not a hater. I love a lot about it, but it doesn't stack up the way the others do. Yeah, it's funny. I put on A New Hope the other night and fell asleep, like, immediately. I was tired, yeah. and it was 7 right. p.m., but, like, God, I couldn't even... He didn't even... He, 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 he That R2 unit had a bad motivator. And then I was out. Oh yeah, that was like well, so fast. It's still, you know, even even accepting the the uh, the pacing, which is uh, granted of a different time. Like, it's it's just so te- like the texture just pulls you in immediately. It's so alive. Like it makes sense why that thing had the impact it did in a way that the you know that to me is almost like R five R five D four. Was that what it was? <laughs> R5D4 is the thing that got me. Or is that what put you to sleep, you're saying? No, that was that was that was that's the name of the one with the bad motivator, right? Oh, oh yes, yes, correct. Wow. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, good job. That's sad. I had that I had that toy. I mean, you can buy it right now on on a card stock for $749. And my memory is the toy was so early that it didn't even have a thing that popped out giving it a bad motivator. Correct. I'm sure they do now. Did but. not have the Kenner you kids today, you get an R5-D4 with an actual bad motivator. Mine, I had to imagine. <laughs> this motivator looks fine. I got to imagine do you, it. <laughs> do you want to try to rank these? <laughs> no, I don't. I, I agree with what you're saying. But I would, uh, truthfully, though, I would put all of the, I would put all of Star Trek ahead of, of, of Star Wars. Well, I guess that's appropriate. Um, identical Rikers theme ben, from Ben Plavin. 
I don't know. He says, okay, Andy, I did it. Attached is the Patty Duke theme with a Riker spin. I hope I didn't embarrass myself. I don't remember asking for this from Second Chances. I think you did. But I really thank you, Ben, for uh, for giving this a shot. Let's see, how, let's see if I can play it all the way through without it fucking clipping on. Next, uh, we can just go right into the show. Oh. Um, if you'd like to uh, send a hail, uh, send it to sdtncpod at gmail. Uh, put the title of the episode in the subject heading. If you want to reach uh, Matt, he's at Matt Myra at Instagram and Twitter. I'm at Andrew Secunda on Instagram and at Secunda at Twitter. If you want to like, send a vo- us a voice hail, send it to 816-TREK-TNC. Uh, you can also record a voice memo and email it if you're international and don't want to dial those uh, international funky prices. I Is say. that the way it works, even for the Google number? I guess it works. I, th- I believe so, yeah. Um, mm. So you could do that, too. And you'll sound a lot clearer. You'll sound like as clear as a bell. So that said, let us now jump in to the episode. We crossed the many doors, the many places. Your hails made us think of all your faces. Sit comfortably in your little Borg node. Let's talk about this week's episode. Ah, yes, it's this week's episode. This week's episode is Descent Part 1, the season finale of Season 6 of Star Trek The Next Generation. Andy, I can't believe we've made it here. It's amazing. It's six seasons under our belt. That's right. Nothing... Nothing left to do but wrap up TNG. Isn't that crazy? Yeah. I mean, probably I'm, take I just, a bit. <laughs> yeah, well, sure. At our rate, it'll take 45 <laughs> years. Uh, this is teleplay. It's exciting. Oh, sorry. I, I say this first. This aired the 21st of June, 1993. That week, Andy, what was happening in the world? Well, Matt, the number one song in the U.S. was That's the Way Love Goes by Janet Jackson. Uh, that's the way love goes. Here it is again. I got to skip past all of the music video stuff. There we go. I've never heard everything sounding so. I fixed the audio to the point where every everything's super loud now. There we go. <laughs> we took a break. Yeah. Um, the number one song in the UK. I can't help falling in love with you by UB40. I remember that hmm. cover. Um, number one movie, Jurassic Park. Number one book, Bridges of Madison County by Robert James Waller. Birth that week, singer Ariana Grande. 93. Uh, deaths that week, Spanky McFarland, Little, R- Little Rascals. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, former first lady, Pat Nixon. Uh, events, Julia Roberts and Lyle Lovett marry. Ooh, remember that? I do, actually, for some reason. <laughs> Why do I remember that? It was, it was on every uh, newspaper. How can you not know? Uh, <laughs> Kim Campbell becomes the first female prime minister of Canada. Good job, Kim. <laughs> Good job, Kim. <laughs> you did it. And, and and today was the first day that her parents finally realized she did something great. when she, They were listening <laughs> to this podcast. And Andy said, good job, Kim. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Mr. Uh, and Miss Campbell, come on. Give it up for your daughter. She really uh, accomplished something. (laughs) It is time also now to uh, check in on our old pal, the chairman of the board, who uh, should be petering to a standstill at some point, but he seems to continue. (laughs) We would assume so. 
Time for that segment everybody hates. <laughs> Time for Frank Sinatra, come on. Uh, that's right, Andy. What was happening in the chairman of the board's uh, life in his late ages that he constantly is doing shows? Well, Matt, season six of The Next Generation is wrapping up here in the later part of June 1993, so we'll leave Frank where we have seen him so often this year, spending the hot months of the summer and the air-conditioned comfort of the Desert Inn in Las Vegas. <laughs> He'll perform here for the rest of June and July. Jesus. And we'll pick up the story again in September with Season 7. Wow. Yeah, baby. Don't mean a thing if it ain't got that swing. So they say. Uh, all right, this is Descent Season 6, Episode 26. This is Teleplay by Ronald D. Moore and a story by Jerry Taylor. This is directed by Alexander Singer. The Borg begin a new offensive against the Federation, but this time they're acting as individuals. Data experiences his first emotions while fighting them. That's what they tell us. Oh, that's not what I do on this. I got to read from uh, Dr. Larry Nemechek's book, Dr. Trek himself. This what were you reading from? I was reading the thing I read for Voyager and Enterprise, the Memory oh. Alpha quick little thing. So this is from Star Trek The Next Generation Companion Revised Edition by Larry Nemechek. Data, sorry, that is the caption to a picture. <laughs> <laughs> Answering an outpost distress call, the Enterprise finds an unknown alien craft in orbit, a litter of dead bodies in the non-strategic station, and finally the Borg. But these Borg are different. The plot strategy, I suppose it's they, seek vengeance rather than assimilation, have individual names, and look for Data, who kills a Borg in rage when he is charged. The other Borg and their ship retreat. What's up? Oh, you're talking to... I'm doing doing a Data impression there. Oh, stop. 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 The Borg are different, yes. Uh, As Data excuses himself from duty in a fruitless try at recreating the moment, Admiral Necheyev arrives with a task force and gives Picard the dressing down for his release of Hugh. Excuse me, everybody. You thought this podcast was starting late. Well, Matt took 45 minutes to fix the audio. So after recreating the Borg's transwarp travel vortex... The starship is boarded by two lone Borg who are easily stopped. The one captured taunts Data, urging him to act on his dark feelings that he's experiencing. The two escape in a shuttlecraft and are traced to a sensor-shielded planet. Dr. Crusher is left in command when all but a skeleton crew leave the Enterprise and conduct a massive ground search. After tracking... After tracking for hours, Picard's team is surprised by a massive Borg and shocked to see Data and his evil brother Lore, who proclaim they will destroy the Federation with their new army of followers. For some reason. (laughs) Seems like you're classic evil for the sake of evil. It's on brand for Lore. Yeah, that's true. Uh, all right, Andy. Let's let's jump in. I will say the thing that I noticed most about this episode when watching it back for this here podcast was the pace. Slow? It, no, it's fast. 
Oh. So much is happening. They have no time for anything. Yeah. Like, I mean, you, they jump into acts with, like, they're already going to a new system. And, like, red alert, like, it's like, wait, what? Yeah. Uh, I, I It felt to me like they just, they were trying to jam so much in. I guess it's a lot. This is this is the kind of thing that would be a season-long arc on a show now. That is true. That is true. And so then they would have to you know, come like up with a they, couple of episodes where they decide to go on the mission and then Yeah, and also like the like the Borgs do techniques, like what's going on there and what's that right. all about? And they seem to they seem to know where data is. What's that? What's that all about? You know what I mean? Like it yeah. just feels like that's it feels like a lot of story they're trying to get in here. I'm very curious how it plays out, not not just in the plot, but how it plays out in terms of the the pace you're talking about in the second part. Because it, you know, so often when there's a two parter, it's like they're sort of trapped by the by the the episode break. Like, well, we have to end it here. Yeah, and then one side is, uh, you know, not balanced. So. Well, let's see. let's see what they do. Let's start they with our poker game of physics, coffee. dorks. You see, Sir Isaac, the joke depends That's right, on I call Isaac Newton, Einstein, and Stephen Hawking dorks. Time. If two non-inertial reference frames are in relative motion... Do not patronize me, sir. I invented physics. The day that apple fell on my head was the most momentous day in the history of science. Not the apple story again. That story is generally considered to be apocryphal. What? How? Dare you. Now, let's count Stephen Hawking's lines. That's one. Which means that um, the bet is seven to me. The bet is my question. Yeah. Could they not have gotten? They clearly got the other guys that kind of look like the guy, except for obviously Stephen Hawking, Stephen Hawking. They couldn't have gotten. A guy who kind of looks like Albert Einstein. They have layered this guy in like three inches of prosthetics. Isn't this the guy that played Einstein before? Oh, yeah. Uh, he looks a lot like the Einstein, the holodeck Einstein that Barkley had created when Barkley, be- the nth degree, remember that episode? You may be right. Where he's arguing the with, case. He's arguing with, uh, you know, and Jordy's like, you just spent the whole night arguing about physics. With Albert Einstein. Remember? I That's don't how remember we're supposed that. to know he's super smart. I remember, uh, I remember Einstein being it, but I don't remember that conversation. But whatever the case, whatever. Fine. I don't know why they put this much prosthetics on a guy that just is supposed to look sort of like <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> Frankly, it doesn't even look like, it's not that much of a dead ringer for Einstein that it's like, oh man, they really nailed Einstein. <laughs> just looks like a guy with a lot of prosthetics. <sighs> I don't even know why I'm here in the first place. What is the point of playing this ridiculous game? When I play poker with my shipmates... What do you think of Data recreating his quarters? (laughs) That's where they're playing poker. They can be anywhere. I was curious to see how three of history's greatest minds would interact in this setting. So far, it has proved to be most illuminating. Maybe it makes it feel more like him playing with his... With Riker and the gang. It's your bet... Oh, was that a was that a Hawking I one? Two. I fold. Is that three? That was two. I fold as well. The uncertainty principle will not help you now, Stephen. Hmm? All the quantum fluctuations in the universe will not change the cards in your hand. <laughs> I call. You are bluffing, and you will lose. Wrong 
again, Albert. Red alert. He didn't get it. <laughs> didn't get it. Sorry. Another time. End program. <laughs> he walked in with his hat. Like he put on his poker visor. I need my real hat for this. We received a distress call from the Oniaka 3 outpost. They said they were under attack. Oniaka 3? There's no strategic value to that outpost. I know strategy, number one. I know every value. We are entering the Oniaka system, sir. Bring us out of war, I thought about buying property there, and I was like, this is going to be purposeless. Its configuration does not match anything in our records. Stand by phasers and photon torpedoes. Hail them, Mr. Wolf. No response, sir. Put them on the screen. It does not appear to be attacking the outpost, sir. They might have attacked before we got here. I like that ship. Or they might simply be another victim. That ship, uh, have you ever played Star Trek The Next Generation Pinball? No. That ship is in the pinball game. It's a molded. It's it's one of the objects oh, you can hit. Cool. Uh, oh, maybe I have played that game. Yeah. Is it, is that in Vegas? The pinball machine? I don't know. It's everywhere. It used to be everywhere. It was a very popular pinball machine. Yeah. Um I love that machine. I wanted to get it. I wanted to buy that machine. I never did. Here we are. I feel, I feel like you could, you could still pull that off. Yeah, there's nowhere to put it. It's too big. How much is a pinball machine like that? Five grand. Hmm. You know, then it's got like all these parts. Then I have to learn how to. You got space behind you. Look at all that crap. Exactly. There's already crap there. Yeah. So who's going to notice if this big pinball machine? (laughs) I feel like that. But then where will I? Where will I stand when I'm doing VR? Uh, (laughs) There's no space. (laughs) That's fair. Do you play VR? Yeah. I didn't know that. How come we're never talking about VR? What do you mean? I don't know. It's just not a game that you mention. Like any any VR games aren't things that you mention. Well, I'm currently number four on the planet Earth in the Zombie Land uh, Headhunter Invitational. Mm-hmm. I'm that good at that game for some reason. Okay. Uh, boy, that no, Zombie Land game so fun. Much better. No than relation to the movie. Reason. Absolutely has relation to the movie. Oh, they really they made a game from it. Interesting. Yeah. Sony made a game from it, and it's much better than it has any right to be. Is it funny? Yeah, I mean, in a in a in a in a in a video game way. Video game way. Yeah. Yeah. There's some funny lines about the zombie outbreak and how they should have just listened to scientists and worn masks and stayed home. <laughs> With all the money that video games sink into everything now, you know, look and research and and uh, you know, even high level screenwriters, they don't seem to. Sp- spend their money on comedy in the correct way or maybe it's just a sensibility maybe it's you're just, just not playing the right games aesthetics really what do you think is the funniest game uh south park the, fractured, the seinfeld the, game the south park game fractured butthole all right but that's probably that's because those guys probably have they wrote it have yeah. approval yeah so i don't see what you're what, what are you saying here I'm saying that that doesn't. I don't they know that that money applies. That's like saying no. Broadway's funny because uh, Book of Mormon was funny. It's like Book you know, of no, those guys is, do their own thing. Book of Mormon is Book of Mormon is as funny as a pretty funny episode of South Park. Of course, I was because like those guys so, did it. I was it. so confused. Sure, 
by everybody's reaction to Book of Mormon. I saw it on Broadway. Yeah. I laughed, thought it was very funny, but I, I was like, oh, this is funny. But it's not like it's not like as funny as like the funniest South Park episode. It's but it's funny. It's definitely funny. And then I saw more Broadway shows. And then I realized, <laughs> oh, <laughs> This is the funniest thing they've ever seen. (laughs) No, they. It's shocking. It is shocking how not funny Broadway. I mean, it. It really. It angered me when I was a younger man to see alarming to see Broadway and like the things. And those are the things. The only things that come close are the ones that are dramas that you know at least are written in an organic way, so the comedy in them sort of has some life to them. The fucking ones where they're trying to do comedy, oh my god! Yeah. It makes me want to just punch the whole stage. <laughs> Get up there, Andy! Punch the stage. Oh, it makes me so angry. I uh, mm. yeah, I didn't. I did not fully grasp that until I was until I had because the first actual Broadway play I'd ever seen was um, Book of Mormon. Oh, oh gosh, boy! Did they set your sights high? And then, yeah, and then after Book of Mormon, I, I went about my business, and then saw a number of Broadway shows after that. And then I was just like, "Oh my god!" The funniest jokes they ever have in Broadway shows are about New Jersey. You know, I'm gonna see what the name of this. Uh, yes, all in the timing. I'm gonna actually go out of my way to bash this. <laughs> Uh, it's this play by this guy David Ives, who people love the crap out of. It's just that's just that's the stupidity of that microcosm that they think that show that could not be more cloying and self satisfied and just not comedy <laughs> that they like held that aloft. I was so angry when I saw it. So I, cutesy. I think it's very funny that you have these feelings because I share them. Yeah. I share them. Anyhow. Like I saw, I saw It's Only a Play, right? We were in New York and yeah. we, we walked into this Broadway show. It was snowing and Dory and I were out and like it was like a blizzard kind of a thing and we're, we're walking by. Where, where were we staying? We were staying over by the library. Uh, so we walked down into Times Square, and there, you know, it was like six fifty p.m. And I was like, "Oh, should we try and see a Broadway show? See if anyone has, see if they have tickets? Because it's like crazy snow. I bet they might." And we walk by, and we saw uh, the posters for this uh, show. It's only a play. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Heard of it? I haven't seen that one. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and it was like Matthew Broderick, Nathan Lane, F. Murray Abraham, Stockard Channing. Yeah. Um. Uh, who else? Who the fuck else was in it? But anyway, I, I was like, "Oh, well, this could be. This is probably funny, right?" I mean, <laughs> pretty good cast. Let's go see it. And uh, it was quite frankly one of the worst things I've ever seen in my life. And it you know, was so yeah. not. It was so not funny. And then I looked up a review of it. Huh? Rupert Grint was in it too. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to Jesus, that where. look at this cast: F. Murray Abraham, Stalker Channing, Megan Mullally. That's what I said. <laughs> Did you say all those people? I know you said Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick I and F. Murray Abraham. I didn't and Stalker Channing, but I did not say um, Rupert Grant. Yeah, Megan Mullally. Um, 
you know, I'll go further and I'll say even things that have the source material, all you got to do is recreate the source material like Holy Grail. Um, what is it? Um, oh, uh, uh, spam a lot. Uh, yeah. Not funny. And of course, yeah, you're not you're not Monty Python, so you don't have the same performers. But they also cutified it for the stupid old audience. Right. And then, and then the same thing with what was the other one I was thinking of? The producers. I mean, that has Nathan Lane and Matthew Broderick in it, so at least they're great, you know, and they kind of carry the the energy of it. But compare that to the movie, the the original movie. Well, highly problematic is, you know, at least legitimate comedy. And the show is just uh, pandery. <laughs> Tries to um, I'm trying to think of what there was something. There was <laughs> and then some, we should get back to Star Trek. There should, we should absolutely. <laughs> but God, there was a line in it about Matthew Broderick. I forget the review, but Broadway. it was something. It was the something to the effect of. Uh, it wasn't Matthew Broderick so much as it was like the wax a wax representation of Matthew Broderick. Because <laughs> is that a comment on the performance? Yeah, yeah. Like where where someone had placed a, a loudspeaker just off the stage with his lines. <laughs> oh wow, That's, it was, was like harsh. so brutal. But I was like, yes. <laughs> oh, you felt like you agreed with it that he didn't deliver it. Uh, it, it well, the, it was just so awful. Oh, you know just... who I you know who I saw in it doing. Martin Short was in it when I went. Oh wow! And Martin Short, God, he was trying. Producer Murray Abraham Wait, what was, was it? great. This was the, oh, it's, oh, only, it's a play. only a play. I see. F. Right. Murray Abraham, the actors were all great, and they were all yeah. trying. But it was the right. written material that I was just that was just like, oh my god. Anyway, this is like the craziest digression we've ever taken. Yeah, it's real long. How did we Thank get you for here? the Broadway minute? How did we get Power. to this? There was a great deal of electromagnetic interference. <laughs> I am unable to determine whether there are any life forms present. Worf. Oh, yeah, video games. Funny video games. Oh, right. I still don't give me <laughs> pinball machine. I wanted a pinball machine. Nowhere to do my VR. That's where, oh, brother. That's where we landed. Oh, I love a matte painting. Look at that one. It's great. Mm, one of these away team members is going to die, Andy. Can you guess who it might be? <laughs> I assume it's Worf, huh? <laughs> these wounds were caused by a forced plasma beam, similar to a Ferengi hand phaser. This looks brutal even for the Ferengi. Any sign of the survivors? Electromagnetic interference is still making it difficult to get a precise reading. How many people were assigned to this outpost? 274. All right, we're going to need to do a room-to-room search. Worf, you and Karelki start searching the north wing. You and I will take the south. I right, like the name Karelki. 230 people. Don't you think we could use more than four of us looking, guys? I was just thinking that. <laughs> this is a fucking massacre. They're only sending four people down? And then when they're looking for two people on the planet, Picard sends the entire crew. <laughs> yeah. There's not much damage. Doesn't look like they were interested in the station. Just the people. I bypassed the primary system. So this is kind of a funny cut that they uh, they go to the they go from the cold open and they do this this uh, this track in on the on the Borg and the Borg is standing like 
he's not reacting and then when it comes back he's like completely well the whole the whole show is like that yeah what do you mean <laughs> like the just the way they come back from break it's like insane on and almost in everything though. almost in every act break like <laughs> sweet sweet jump out of the way by uh Riker. LaForge, for some reason, not in engineering. He's like, mm, I'm going to say here. <laughs> Shields down to 80%, compensating with auxiliary power. Excited to be. Where's Troy? You have killed choices. I will make it's you a sweet. for this. It's a sweet pew pew scene. Yeah, I, I think everybody's reaction's pretty good. Yeah. They must have had some money left over in the budget. That might be why they didn't want to put Jordy in, uh, in engineering and why they didn't want... Uh, they wanted uh, Data's poker game to be in his standing set. Stop! 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 It's <laughs> pretty awesome. Kind of like uh, the new Captain America, am I right? Starfleet rank. I haven't seen that episode. You will. Data. It's a great ship. I mean, look at the size That would be my ship. That would be Secunda's ship. That would be Secunda's ship. Your ship would be a Borg? Weird Borg ship? Yep, I'd be Secundus a Borg ship. Oh, I see. Okay, you're, you're a Borg ship if you were a Borg. Yes. Not just, you, not just your ship for you and Moriarty to patrol the galaxy. <laughs> Wouldn't that be an appropriate ship? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I have to study these readings before I can get any more specific than that. But I'm going to do it up here if that's okay. It seems like there's a lot of seats available. <laughs> All right. Yes, sir. What happened? Zoom in. I got angry. Uh, man, if uh, there was an act break every time I said that, it would never stop. <laughs> never get the I mean, look, the show. that's just that's that's how it was on the old uh, Incredible Hulk show. Yeah. Fortunately, this means he will not be able to help us investigate a disturbing new change in the behavior of the Borg. They were fast, aggressive, almost vicious. It was more like fighting Klingons than Borg. No offense. None taken. We totally are like that. There was another difference. <laughs> I don't believe they were part of the Borg collective. I think they were acting as individuals. What? One of them referred to himself as I. And that Borg showed concern for a fallen comrade. He even called him by name. The only Borg. It was like he had honor. <laughs> and we gave it to him. Maybe Hugh has something to do with this change in their behavior. Did they show any interest in assimilating you or your technology? They seemed more concerned with I the agree, death of their Omar. colleague and with destroying us. I didn't see anything that suggested they wanted to assimilate anybody. Is it weird that I'm standing Your like this? entire existence <laughs> was centered around acquiring cultures and technology. That's changed. And they must have a new objective. Would you ever do this in a meeting, if you with your room? 
uh, go stare outside of a window. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it never bumps me when I'm watching the show, but just thinking about it, just like, no, yeah. I mean, we've we all need done it. to figure we... out this second act and what could it be? What could it be? I guarantee you, I've, I guarantee you, I've done it, and I bet you've done it too. Not while you're talking. Oh, yeah, that's true. <laughs> I guess, <laughs> I guess, like. Yeah, while I'm thinking, for sure. Sure, while you're thinking. Oh, man, I would fucking stare out that window and just think about the freedom day and night. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, if I could get out there right now. (laughs) Look out, Madison Lot, here I come. (laughs) Mr. Wolf, from this moment on, I want to maintain a level two security alert. Post armed officers on every deck. Aye, sir. Number one, I want you to analyze our sensor readings of the Borg ship. Sensor. Try to determine if it was something they constructed or an alien ship that they captured. Then run an analysis of this subspace distortion they used to escape. Aye, sir. I'm going to contact Starfleet Command. Hmm. Well, positronic net checks well, out. Let me guys. Everything else looks fine. My internal diagnostic also finds nothing wrong. I don't know, Data. There's nothing here that would indicate anything that might cause any sort of behavioral anomaly. I agree. And yet I was P.O.'d. <laughs> I believe I've experienced my first emotion. Like when Q made no you laugh. Offense, Data, but how would you know a flash of anger from some odd kind of power surge? It's interesting is... They have two scenes in a row have no where someone says no offense and then says the thing that offends <laughs> I am unable to provide a verbal description of the experience. Perhaps you could describe how it feels to be angry. I could then use that as a reference. Okay. Well, when I feel angry, first I... Uh, first I feel... Hostile. Could you describe feeling hostile? Well, yeah, it's like feeling belligerent, combative. Could you describe feeling like angry? You're doing a podcast. Feelings? <laughs> <laughs> no, I guess I can't. I just feel angry. That was my experience as well. I simply—I love this. He puts his hands out just like Joe. Angry. <laughs> That's a nice choice. Well, let's say you're right, and this is a real emotion. How is that possible? Well, I do not know. Andy and I know. <laughs> Perhaps <laughs> I have evolved to a point where emotions are within my grasp. Perhaps you I know, you gotta hand it. Emo- I'm handing it. Is, Go ahead. This is such an obvious point, but for some, for an actor, for, for Brent Spiner, who's an actor who can play so cartoonishly broad sometimes, this guy has such control as an actor, particularly in this part. It's just so subtle, and to be able to then play this shift into into emotion, and then sort of pull back and do the kind of move like you're saying, where he's like he's imitating Jordy to try and duplicate the way that it. A human might do it. Yeah. It's just really nice. Um, He's a real pro. This guy should be on a series. 
Spiner's good in this. Uh, I'd like to see him uh, maybe on a Picard many, many times. <laughs> you know, when anyone asks him who his friend is in this episode, he always says Picard. <laughs> hey, uh, Brett Spiner, good job. Preparation for a possible Borg invasion. There will be 15 starships in this sector by the day this of the lady. The Gorkon will be my flagship. You'll take command of Task Force. The Gorkon, named after... Chancellor um, Gorkin from Star Trek VI, the Klingon Chancellor who who uh, initiated the peace talks. Oh, interesting. Oh, I like it. I like it a lot. Three, consisting of the Enterprise, the Crazy Horse, and the Agamemnon. Understood. I'm sorry, what did you say? Agamemnon. What? <laughs> Captain, I've read the report that you submitted to Admiral Brooks last year regarding the Borg you called Hugh, and I've been trying to figure out why you let him go. I thought that I had made that clear. As I understand it, you found a single Borg at a crash site, brought it aboard the Enterprise, studied it, analyzed it, and eventually found a way to send it back to the Borg with a program that would have destroyed the entire collective once and for all. But instead, you nursed the Borg back to health, treated it like a guest, gave it a name, and then sent it home. I saw the episode, Admiral. I don't need you to tell when it back Hugh to me. When Hugh was separated from the Borg Collective, he began to grow, to evolve into something other than an automaton. He became a person. When that happened, I felt I had no choice but to respect his rights as an individual. Of course you had a choice. You could have taken the opportunity to rid the Federation of a mortal enemy, one that has killed tens of thousands of innocent people and which may kill even more. No one is more aware of the danger than I am. But I'm what also is the, bound. I'm always, I'm always a little confused by the, the, like, what are the ground rules for Starfleet? That people like Picard are always talking about, you know, the principles of humanity in Starfleet as though they're admiral, admiral, and yet, uh, just to double up on what I was saying, the admirals. Almost universally, or or react like this. Um. Yeah. I, look, so what are the I, written tenets of Starfleet? It was. Well, it is. It is. What are the well? The first duty to the truth. <laughs> so that much, obviously. And the second duty, obviously, is is to um, whatever you feel like doing that week. <laughs> Scheduling. But like you know, scheduling it, that's the, some fun time. It's the moral center of 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 Picard that I think, you know, we discussed this when we did that episode. I Borg. Uh, I I it was morally the correct thing to do, but I don't think it was the correct thing to do. You know, you and, I, you and, they, and he says that. that he says that as much here. You would not have done that. I would have. I would hope that I would do that, but I feel like I wouldn't. Do you think you would have sent him back with the virus, or just I would have sent him back with the unsolvable shape? Right. But by the way, that's now a good plan that Starfleet has in its records. I'm surprised Section Thirty One isn't doing trying to do that right now. Oh, good point. Good you point. Know? <laughs> um, here's a side question I have. Uh, they bring they're they're facing the Cardassians. They bring Jellico in. They give him the whole ship. Because Picard had to go do that other mission, yeah. Yeah, but it's sort of it's sort of pointed toward his experience with the Cardassians more. 
Why are they uh, letting Nikayev uh, push everybody around and come in and uh, and take over the whole battlefront? Picard has much more experience than anybody else with the Borg. Uh, because the other admirals who had experience with the Borg, they all died in the Battle of Wolf 359. <laughs> but why not just let Picard run it? Obviously, she can't because of what he did with Hugh. Oh, yeah, good point. Actually, yeah, you've... you've... You've, you've actually given me some sound logic why that's not happened. By my oath and my conscience to uphold certain principles. I will not sacrifice them in order your to... Your priority is to safeguard the lives of Federation citizens, not to wrestle with your conscience. My priority is the truth. clear that if you have a similar opportunity in the future, an opportunity to destroy the Borg, you are under orders to take advantage of it. Is that understood? Yes, sir. For the past six hours, I have attempted to produce an emotional response. I mean, I, I, I really like that scene. Yeah. I like that, like, every, you know, just the everything. Because you feel like Picard's out of line and finally someone's putting him in his place. <laughs> no, I feel like <laughs> the, the, he's, it's so rare on TNG that we have to watch our characters sort of deal with consequences. It's a really good point. And uh, there being a legitimate, I mean, as he knew, he knew when he made that choice that he didn't, that, that you know, probably there could be a really bad outcome of the Borg were definitely going to do something else horrible. Mm-hmm. So now he's coming to face, face to face with it. And now we're back in Troy's office. Positive. Data, feelings aren't positive and negative. They simply exist. It's what we do with Disagree. those feelings that becomes good or bad. Uh, how so? I agree with her. Uh, I don't like way. some feelings. Some feelings are uncomfortable. Well, I mean, some feelings are uncomfortable because you are uncomfortable with them. But like, I think every feeling, I think, can be good. It's you know, can be positive. I don't like feeling those feelings. I want to feel happy all the time. <laughs> but if you don't feel sadness, you don't know true happiness. No, no. I'll, I'll think, oh, I'm, I'm happy. I'm happy. This is great. Oh, glad I'm not whatever the other thing was. Feeling angry about an injustice could lead someone to take a positive action to correct it. But my study of humanity indicates there are some emotions that are harmful, such as jealousy or hatred. Those are very strong emotions, and you're right. Very little good can come from them. But I don't think that an exploration of anger need necessarily lead to hatred or malice. But what if it does, Counselor? What if those are the only emotions I am capable of experiencing? Would that not make me a bad person? We've served together for a long time, and I think I've come to know you pretty well. I have to believe if you ever reach your goal of becoming human, you won't become a bad one. Just a pale one. I wish I were as confident as you, Counselor. Seems like a shot. (laughs) When I was fighting the Borg, I felt angry. When I think back on the incident, 
I realized that I was also experiencing another sensation. It was not the same as anger, but I think it was an emotion. When exactly did you feel this other emotion? It was just after I had killed the Borg. I looked down at his body. I felt something. If you had to give this feeling a name, what would you call it? Frank. <laughs> X19. <laughs> Spot. Pleasure. Uh, we, look at this. We come back in. It's like, what? <laughs> yeah, you're right. We received a distress call from the New Berlin colony. They're under attack. What's our ETA? At warp 9, 15 minutes, 30 seconds. Contact the crazy horse and the Agamemnon. Have them standing by in case we need them. Incoming message from the New Berlin colony. They have canceled their distress call. Evidently, a Ferengi trading ship entered their system and someone panicked. Third time today. Stand down, red alert. Reduce speed, return to our patrol. I love how annoyed Picard is here. And transmit another copy of Starfleet's ship recognition protocols and tell them to read it this time. Hi, sir. <laughs> <laughs> the look he gives when he tells him it's a, it's a false distress call is amazing. <laughs> also, I, li- I really like... Uh, Frakes' wide-eyed look at uh, Worf. <laughs> like, and transmit another copy of Starfleet's ship recognition protocols and tell them to read it this time. Hi, sir. <laughs> <laughs> nice. supplemental. We have been on patrol for 16 hours and there are no reports of further Borg activity. But tensions continue to run high on the colonies and outposts in this sector. Do I have a name? I'm Beverly. He's Jordy, and you, you... No, no, wait a minute. That's it. Hugh. <laughs> we are Hugh. Come. I thought you might like to see this. Jordy's analysis of the subspace distortion the Borg used to escape. An artificially created energy conduit? That could be anything. We don't have enough information at this point. I don't want excuses, number one. I want answers. <laughs> I love it. It's like first season Picard. He was here in this room. Well, I could have rid the Federation of a mortal threat, and I let him go. Sending Hugh back to the Borg was a very risky, a very dangerous choice. But it was the moral thing to do. Well, it may turn out that the moral thing to do was not the right thing to do. That's the theme. (laughs) (laughs) Nailed it. (laughs) Data, am I interrupting something? Yes, but it is all right. Do you need me? Uh, I wanted to see if you were ready to return to duty. I need some help with an analysis on the ship the Borg were using. I believe I am able to resume my duties. Uh, Data, exactly what is it that you're doing here? I'm attempting to recreate the experience which caused my initial outburst of anger. Any luck? None so far. I have almost completed this experiment. May I finish before we return to engineering? 
Yeah, sure. Computer, reset Borg simulation to time index 2.1. Increase Borg strength by 20%. Run program. Stop it. Stop. 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 <laughs> it's like really. It's very funny. The it way is he funny. throws it just so it's disappointed. Just like angry and then like, huh, no, nothing. It's more of that uh it's more of that spiner you're talking about. Yeah, it's it, it's kinda like he's a good actor. <laughs> this experiment may hold the key to something I have sought all my life. It's crazy. There's gotta be another way. Can't you think of some other way to make yourself angry? I have tried other stimuli, but they've been unsuccessful. I understand your objections, but it is my life, and I have a right to risk it if I choose. Yeah, and I'm your friend, and I'm not gonna just stand around and let you do this. Red alert. All hands, battle stations. I also wouldn't want to be in the room with him doing that experiment <laughs> if suddenly the, the rage kicks in. <laughs> Confirmed. The MS-1 colony is under attack. Doesn't it seem strange to you that there have been two Borg attacks and the Enterprise has been the nearest ship in both instances? Captain, we are nearing the MS system. I, the I mean, not ship. really. That's kind of what we're doing out here, Captain. We're looking out for the Borg. A lot of ships, though. A lot of uh, Starfleet ships. Federation ships. Lay in and intercept course full impulse. Lock phases. Why full impulse? Did they explain closing, that? Phaser explain what? Why it's impulse and not warp? Because if they went to warp and that other ship is not at warp, they would fly right by it. Oh. Engine, 30 seconds. Sensors are detecting a subspace distortion forming Isn't directly the Picard maneuver the when they do a brief warp? Well, yeah, yeah, it appears they're in two places at the same time, yeah. Yeah, but so can't you couldn't just hit a brief warp and intercept them? What if you end up doing a holdo maneuver? What's that? Remember in The Last Jedi when Holdo takes the transport through the Super Star Destroyer? <laughs> oh, yeah. Ship. Well, they're not going to get away with it this time. To go to engineering. Transfer auxiliary and emergency power to the impulse engines. Acknowledged. Impulse engines are now at 125%. Within phaser range in 10 seconds. We appear to be caught in some kind of energy matrix. All engines back full. Shields failing. We are being pulled inside. Cool. I mean, it's like, it's just, it's, it keeps going, this episode. You're right. And it's a just fucking killer act break every time. Captain, the Borg ship is directly ahead. It is coming about. On screen. Shields down to sixteen percent. Get down. 
like a war finally shooting things and hitting them. Well, yeah, it's because it's part of their plan. That's the only reason he hits anybody. <laughs> shh, 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 shh. Let him have this one. Let him have it. <laughs> what did he? What was he saying? Sensor logs indicate they entered the distortion field 30 seconds ago. They beamed on board as a diversion to give their ship time to escape. This is another change in the board behavior. They left their dead instead of vaporizing. Captain, this one is still alive. It's kind of clever that it's a trap. It's clever that it's a trap? I mean, yeah. of course it's clever. It's Laura's plan. It's like essentially having Data have a plan. <laughs> I feel like <laughs> I Data wish... would have, have the strategy. That's what's interesting. You feel like Data wouldn't have the strategy? It takes guile. Data doesn't have any guile. Oh, I disagree. Oh, you think he does? Yeah. You saw him lead the Armada when he was the captain of the, uh, uh-huh. whatchamacallit? Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're just like that first officer. You didn't want to, you wouldn't serve <laughs> under Data. You'd be like, I'm not serving <laughs> under, you don't have any guile. <laughs> My life is at stake, sir. You are a robot. (laughs) That's what Andy would say. I'm leaving. I'm going to Moriarty's ship. (laughs) He would win. Moriarty would destroy everybody. Lower the force field. Bajoran. Bajoran. What is your designation? I like how the board well, kind of a designation. sits on the edge of his bed, sort of awkward, <laughs> like a human. Well, this is a different breed of Borg, you know? Yep. We destroy them. Tell me more about this one. Does he have a name? Is he called Hugh? Klingon. Shatter cranial exoskeleton at the tricipital lobe. Death is immediate. This is pretty cool. Why must this one destroy biological organisms? Human. Sever spinal cord at third vertebrae. Death is immediate. I am Locutus of Borg. You will respond to my questions. They Ain't going to work this works. time, pal. That usually works. What are we going to do here, guys? <laughs> <laughs> this is going nowhere. Um... One side thing, uh, I at the beginning of this scene, I thought that his eyepiece was a mechanized shutter, like an analog shutter, and I was like, oh man, that is some good costume. Not that the costume design isn't fantastic on the board, but then I realized, oh, it's an, it's an 80s, early 90s digital like Casio readout. <laughs> it's just a, a cheapo thing. <laughs> will not resist what you've wanted all your life I was like you once without feeling but the one helped me he can help you too he can help you find emotion have you ever felt a real emotion data <laughs> what do you think that what do you think the Bajoran guard is thinking they really do it's weird that they have him this there. is getting awkward should I tell <laughs> someone no <laughs> would be unethical to take pleasure in another being's death. You didn't answer my question. Did it feel good to kill? Yes. 
If it is unethical to take pleasure from another being's death, you must be a very unethical person. No. That is not correct. My creator, Dr. Sung, gave me a program which defines my sense of right and wrong. In essence... Hey, going back to that, I'm reading from Nemechek's book. Uh, uh, FX supervisor David Stipe said that the uh, Onaka 3 station's hand-to-hand phaser battle was pieced together with film editor Steve Tucker and used no live effects. All the flames and sparks were added by computer in post-production. Crazy! Wow, that's some advanced CG work. It was a time saver with no rigging of explosives and touch-up of damaging set pieces as needed, uh, which is pretty crazy for for that time for sure. Yeah, Yeah. impressive. Oh wow, that's cool. I mean, all the action in this is really good. It really is. To feel that way again, even if it meant killing someone. No, that would not be ethical. You don't sound very sure of yourself. Is your ethical program functioning? This Borg's got a lot of swagger for a guy who's been kind of an automaton for a while. Yeah, well, I mean, look, obviously, Lore sent the most swaggery guy. Yeah. (laughs) He knew Warfare. We're going to have a swagger contest (laughs) now. There's a Klingon on that ship who will poorly <laughs> shoot a phaser. You're going to survive. I'm sending you, Swagger. Yes. <laughs> His name is Jordy. If it meant... Are you sure it's not Picard? feel emotions mm-hmm. again, the way you did on Onyanka 3, would you kill your friend? Would you kill Jordy? With kindness, yes. Yes. I would. In Lieutenant Commander Data, I'm just going to pop out of here for a sec. <laughs> hey, Captain, um, <laughs> where's Jordy? <laughs> I, I don't have time to talk about anything. Okay, sorry, sir. A maximum warp and a trans warp variables. But I'd say based on the distance we covered during our trip through the conduit, the speed would have to be at least 20 times faster than our maximum warp. How do they open the conduits? The Borg ship emitted some kind of high-energy tachyon pulse just before we saw the subspace distortion. It seems as though the conduits are keyed to respond to tachyon transmissions of a specific frequency. I, lo- I love it. Look at that. Delta quadrant. Termination point is in the Delta quadrant. Mm. Seems as though the conduits are keyed to respond to tachyon transmissions of a specific so, frequency. Is that this would have been. Those conduits He's... will come in handy in Voyager. The tractor beam oh, oh, did it play in later? I don't remember. Yeah. Mm. It's like a huge arc of Voyager, like many seasons. Mm. The Borg's trans warp conduits. Come on, Andy. Wherever you're Voyager. Like, it's been like 20 years. <laughs> so? <laughs> me too. It's all like, I, I bet you've seen it more recently than I have. Well, Command override is not functioning. Captain, I'm picking up a tachyon surge. Looks like whoever's in the shuttle is trying to trigger the transwarp conduit. Do we know who's on board? Is the Borg prisoner? 
And for dramatic Commander effect, Data. I'll say Commander Data second. <laughs> I saw Picard uh, say some of what he was saying to uh, the room and then the rest of it to uh, a screen or a window. So I'm going to do the same thing. We've got a pretty good reading of the tachyon. I mean, look at that. We're back from a break. Now we got to fucking chase after this. This is crazy. By the shuttle. Now they get into the transwarp conduit. Little boy. Let's jump in ahead a little bit. No, sir. There is no indication of the shuttle within range of our sensors. Maybe we can find an energy signature. I love the tiny little adorable shuttles, by the way. I've scanned three different star systems within sensor range. There is evidence of at least two advanced civilizations, but I'm reading no life It's like a Mini Cooper. But there are indications (laughs) that plasma weapons have been fired in those systems recently. The Borg have been busy. I think we found the shuttle's energy signature. Busy Borg. Busy as a Borg. They were heading 247, mark 059. Lay that course, Ensign, and engage at full impulse. Aye, sir. Good score, Tim. We traced the shuttle's energy signature to this point on the surface, but there's too much interference to scan the location. I'm intentionally jamming our sensors. It looks more like a natural phenomenon. There's an unusually high amount of EM interference in the planet's magnetosphere. Can we transport through the interference? We could, but there could be 50 Borg down there waiting for us, and we'd never even know it. It's a funny thing to say about an episode that's so techno babbly, but uh, it's kind of almost a sensationalistic episode. <laughs> the way that it ends on you're, you're combining, you know, lore and the Borg and, you know, data turns evil. And it's just, uh, they kind of throw in every, every, uh, you know, any, every crazy thing that would be in a, in a memory beta thing. Just like, what if this thing happened? Every every trick in the book. Yeah. It's limiting the tricorder range. It is useless beyond 100 meters. There's no structures in the area that could have gone anywhere. It's always so weird Can you seeing determine how long they've gone from the shuttlecraft? In natural light. <laughs> yeah. The engine's been off a little over three hours. Stand number one. Assuming that they're still together... How far could they have traveled? They were watching Search Party. Well, data can move pretty fast, even over rough terrain, but based on what we know about the Borg, I don't think they should be able to move any faster than you or I. They might have been able to get 15 to 20 kilometers away from the shuttle by now. Picard to Riker. Riker here. I'm going to start sending down other away teams. Set up a command post and begin mapping a search plan. Understood. Picard out. I want to use the shuttlecraft for low-level reconnaissance. Have the designated pilots assembled main shuttle bay. Aye, sir. And all available personnel, including you and me, will begin to put together four man away teams. I'll leave a skeleton crew on board the ship. Now, what's that about? There's a thousand crew members. How many teams of four? They're going to have like. Is the implication that, yeah, we need every person down there, so you and I will go down too? Or is there some other reason that he has? Because it's totally. It's just illogical that all the other times that he hasn't gone down because it would be too dangerous that he's going to go down now. Well, sensors aren't working, right? 
and uh, he feels he. I think what you were dealing with here is his conscience. You know, he feels responsible for all of this. Right. It's the, he's making an emotional decision here. I believe so. Yeah. yeah. I mean, well, don't you? It's I mean, foolish. You can it's see foolish. that it's an emotional we'll decision when he him. does the following. Any last orders? <laughs> if the Borg should attack, don't wait for me or anyone else to return to the ship, but take the Enterprise to the transwarp conduit. Return to Federation space. Got it. I love that they're giving Beverly the ball. Good luck, Jean-Luc. Good luck, Captain. <laughs> and I like that she's like not happy about this, but she's like, all right, got to do what you got to do. Yeah, I mean, she's always, uh, she's, you know, she's a commander. She's a very yeah. high-ranking officer. I know, but we don't, you know, they don't, they don't show her flashing her command style very often. I mean, she's fully in command of sickbay and the autopsies. Team so far. I'm going to run an autopsy. Team searching <laughs> no one's dead. Gamma two four. Not yet. Worf and I will take Theta 1-6 when the last team comes down. Who's manning the command post? Wallace and Towels. Ready? Towels. Wallace and Towels. We have that. Oh, I hate those guys. <laughs> he just points to a guy at a pile of towels. <laughs> <laughs> I can't get another person to come with me? Look, you have all the towels. We beam them down for you. Oh. We don't know if it's going to be wet down there. <laughs> Maybe it's an alien species. It's collected of towels. Just a bunch of sentient towels. Mother of hope. Uh, uh, I'm towels. <laughs> Hello, towels. It's crazy to me that Picard has this fucking plan in his head. Anything, Miss LaForge? Well, no, nothing, sir. What if we modified the phases to send out a levetric pulse? It might create a resonance fluctuation in Data's parcels. Home in on that response with the tricorders. Yeah, I thought about that. The only problem is that the pulse would probably have to be so powerful that it would destroy Data's positronic net in the process. Captain, I think I found something. <laughs> you think? Well, it's a giant building. Yes, you did. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sensing something over there. Um, there's another thing. There's an obvious statement. Uh, Patrick Stewart, Shakespearean trained, obviously a fan, just just one of the greats uh, in terms of acting. Really good at techno babble. <laughs> We're six you seasons think. in. We're six seasons in. I understand, but it just this. occurs to me. Like anybody who's on the show, obviously has to be able to do it. But uh, you would think that he would—he's better would not, at it. He's better at it than Frakes is. Yeah, you would think he wouldn't. It's—it's it's like somehow the language, the poetry of the techno babble, is easy for him to get a hold of somehow. You get a hold of anything. I like that Lore designed some branding for himself. <laughs> I literally thought the same thing. You know, and when I was a kid, you know, the Playmates figures that the, you know how, I don't know if you know this, but the, um, these Nazi flags, they used to come with the Playmates figures used to come with like a, like a plastic com badge that had a, had a hole, had a, had a, had a stud in it that the heel of the action figure would sit in. So you could stand up the figure and it would have their name on the plate. So it would say data. And then I remember the Borg figures came with this logo. Oh, really? All yeah. of them? 
Yes. So, well, I mean, there weren't that many Borg figures, but so like this was the this was this de facto was the de facto Borg symbol. Well, that that kind of doesn't seem fair to the Borg. They didn't, you know. They, I mean, maybe they maybe Lore found it in their files and was like, "Oh, you guys should use this." <laughs> and then someone was like, "Well, no, no, I was just I didn't I didn't want to. I was just you know, it was just something I doodled. I didn't want to. No, no, it's really good. This should be the logo <laughs> for all the Borg. You think so? Oh my God, you are the one." <laughs> well, it certainly hasn't been abandoned. Something's wrong. This is very old school Trek going into the building in the, on the planet. Yeah, they're being dangerous. It's a dampening field. This entire structure could be shielded from our sensors. Let's go. Now, Andy, there's only they only had eleven Borg costumes. Uh huh. So they had they, they they apparently pieced together a bunch. So it looks like there's like fifty. Oh, that's a good effect too. Man, pro- I don't know. It was a new effects house. Props to the effects house in this episode. <laughs> I love that the other, the faceless crew member panics. Another uh, yellow shirt. Another down. yellow shirt down. Yellow shirt. Stop it. Stop. Data. Stop. Stop. It's not data. Are you sure? Because all he's been saying lately is stop. <laughs> it really sounds like him. It's his catchphrase now. <laughs> you should listen to her, Captain. <laughs> so, She's way ahead of you. So funny how Mustache Twirly is his lore. He really nails it. Right. I think he's even more <laughs> Mustache Twirly as Data. As Data is by lore. The sons of Sung have joined together. Again. <laughs> Lore's really good at branding. We are the sons of Sung. Okay. <laughs> We're going to call ourselves. No, no. When you come out, don't just say, Lore and I say the sons of Sung. But oh. wouldn't it be more efficient just to say Lore and I? <laughs> Look, you don't get it. <laughs> we will destroy the Federation. No. Eh? Eh? Here's uh so first of all, it's and so awesome it. that it was lore. I mean I kind of I kinda of knew something big was coming. Uh it's it's so great. Uh what a great turn. Um it's almost too much. <laughs> it's like so like Oh that's funny. It's like it's fresh. like watching it's, Godzilla and King Kong fight, you know? It's funny, it's fresh to you and that's kinda of, yeah, that, 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 I guess that would be so, uh, sort of surprising and because you then we don't really know what happened to lore. Here's a nitpick question. Um, is, is the idea that, um, that, uh, before you ask this, are you asking a question that is an actual nitpick question or a question that you think will be answered in the next episode? No, I don't think, I don't know. Okay, go ahead. I don't think so. Uh, does Troy Mm -hmm. sense Laura's emotions? Is that why she says that's not data? I believe so. And but then data comes out, so he has emotions too now. <laughs> so I guess my question is, well, really, first of all, I, that was my question: is oh, she senses emotions. Hasn't data had emotions before though, or is this really the first time he's had any real emotions? Other than the laughing from Q, this is the first time. Huh. I guess I guess you That's can't right. count that. That's right, Omar. Omar Omar was so excited about Q. He was like, "You guys talking about Q?" <laughs> um. 
Ironically, uh, Omar, a huge Q fan. His his <laughs> so uh, weird. Know, his owner his, was uh, like his friend no. Andy, not uh, not as much of a Q fan uh, originally. Um, so here's my other thing. Yeah, uh, this is this is the nitpick thing. If she sensed their emotions, little miss, I can sense emotions down on a fucking planet. How come she didn't sense the, the emotions uh, in the in the place? Now there were other people there. Uh, Omar agrees with that because point. obviously he was behind an emotion barrier wall. <laughs> <laughs> Don't you know? <laughs> Checkmate to me. He was in an emotional barrier. <laughs> Was, Everyone, was, get into the emotional tone of silence. <laughs> all right, all right. We got to figure this out. Sons of Sung, right? Sons of Sung. Okay. Sons of Sung. Sons of Sung. <laughs> no, no, no. Don't chant it now. I need Data to say it. Data has to say it first. Because if I say it, everyone will be like, oh, that's not a thing. But if Data says it, they'll believe it. So no one chant it. Laura and I are together on this. No, the sons of Sung. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm Damn sorry. It, I know Dana. I'm supposed to be able to remember everything. I'm just you not know, comfortable with it. I'm just going to go get B4. <laughs> sons of Sung are together. <laughs> Jeffy? <laughs> yeah. Uh, can you say sons of Sung? Mm, chocolate sauce. Okay. Dana, back to you. <laughs> uh, okay. So with that, let's do this. Is there an MVC of this episode? Yeah, it's a good question. Jordy certainly it's probably does a lot of chain. tech stuff. <laughs> she was right about Hugh. Yeah. Um, who saves them the most in the firefight? I mean, Riker and Worf get off some good shots. <laughs> yeah, you or- could almost give it to Worf, except that it turns out to be a, you know, that when he when he shoots the people on the bridge, it's uh turns out to be part of their trap. Certainly ain't that Bajoran guard not freaking telling anybody. I mean, look, he he was busy, probably. I think the MVC is the Borg with swagger, but not for our team. <laughs> Borg with swagger. Uh, I think I'd have to just go ahead and, and, and dole it out to uh, to Jordy because he figures out the tachyon. He enables the ship to go through the transwarp conduit. Right, figuring yeah, out tachyon, pulse, and and so on and so forth. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give it to Mr. Jordy LaForge for season Agreed. six, episode twenty six. Uh, so let's do this. Only half a half a story here, but we gotta give it some Andes. We sit and watch, and then we hang and talk. But the podcast isn't over just yet. How many Andes does this episode get? Hmm. I mean, it's very good. It's very well written. The act breaks are pristine. Um, some good really breaks, good scenes. But it's, it's, it's a breakneck pace. I really do think it's a breakneck pace. For, I know. I can't tell. TNG. Does it bother you, or you're into it? It's I, it's just different. It's so different, you know. Yeah. Um. I like how they're tackling it. It's interesting that it's just to see them kind of going after the the data emotions thing at a pace that is appropriate for the amount of time we've invested in 
waiting to, for him to get emotions, where he really has time to kind of pick it apart mm-hmm. in this very, you know, elaborate story where there's a lot of, you know, crisis and dangers and stuff. There's still a lot of time for him to kind of look at it and analyze it. It's really interesting. Um, I mean, that's the only, I mean, uh, I was going to say, that's the only character development really happening. But also I think the, the other the other B story of this is Picard and how he's dealing with Yes, also very solid. There's something that's stopping me from putting pushing it I up. I mean, if to it's the... gonna help you, I can say mine first. Go ahead. Yeah, you say yours. I'm like a, I'm a seven. Oh, that's lower than I would think. Yeah, yeah. I'm at a seven for it. Um, yeah. You know, uh, for a couple of reasons, I th- I, th- I do I do think the pace is a little. There's too much. They're trying to cram too much ah. into the episode. I do, like I said to you when we started watching this, it does to me feel like something that could have could be a much longer arc in the series, and not something where you're just gonna where we're cramming in um all of this into one episode, one yeah. one part part one of a cliffhanger. It's like. They really could have milked this and taken their time with it if it was more serialized, like you know, like um, like Deep Space Nine becomes and oh yeah, they like have, TV is now. In Deep Space Nine, does it is it like um, Deep Space Nine is super serialized, starting at like season. I mean, it's uh, starting. I mean, heavily, heavily serialized season four onward. Wow, I didn't realize it was that early in it. How many seasons is it? Seven. Seven. Huh. Um, yeah. So, where um, land? I, I landed a seven. Oh, oh, you landed a seven. I yeah. See. Um, but wait, you're saying so too too fast, too much crammed in. Yeah, but- I think they could. I I wish they had been able to really take more time with everything, because it's all interesting stuff, and I wish they had taken more time with it. Do you like the moves within it? Yeah, I just think it all happens at a breakneck pace. It's too quick of a pace. Do I think like... some of it's silly. I think you know. I think some of it's silly and like uh, sending Picard for some reason. Now all of a sudden, a skeleton crew stays on the Enterprise when you're in uh-huh. bo- fucking Borg space and you're leaving a skeleton crew up on the Enterprise with Crusher in charge. No, no command officers are up there. Uh, you've sent. Every, I mean, if you want to go down so bad, just go down and leave Riker up there, right? You know what I mean? Like, you don't need to send if the crew is of the Enterprise is a, is a thousand people. Skeleton crew is probably like a hundred people, so there's nine hundred officers down there. <laughs> <laughs> it's just silly. How how do you feel about the? Borg and then Lore's leading them. Uh, I like the. I think it's a nice. It's a nice change of pace for the Borg. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's really hard to bring myself back to like when this was. You know when this was the Borg. Um, in what sense? Uh, in the sense of you like, mean in terms of your enjoyment? No, in the terms of like I know so much about the Borg. The Borg are so active in the in the in the series, uh, in Voyager particularly, and in First Contact. And, you know, there's just so much more Borg ahead of us. 
and I have yeah. that all in my head right now. So it's oh, like, I see. I you see. know what I mean? It's like so uh, it's hard for you to be sort of yeah, sort of detach or, myself yeah, right. from that. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm a little bit flummoxed. I got to say because. I and kind of it's apropos of the the hail we got about how we judge episodes because it's a pretty solid all around episode. Um, in all the things we've described, it's like got cool action fights. It's got a cool story with hooks. It's like the Borg have emotion and and are operating, uh, you know, with some kind of agency and uh, and uh, data and his emotions, and they spend the time that they should. They spend the time that they should on that. Like, you wouldn't want to drag that out too much more. You certainly could have had that go over several episodes, but, you know, yeah, they, you they know, carved like, out some time uh, in the episode for him like, to deal you're with not, it. Like, he doesn't check in with Worf on it, which is interesting to me, because Worf is the most... Oh, in terms of anger? Yeah, he, he, he would seem to have it. And yeah. also to know what it's like to fight and to feel and and so on and so forth. And like I, I sort of miss that check in. Um, he doesn't talk to. I feel like he would check in with Crusher about it. Uh, I feel like uh, you know. I think it's a you know necessity of probably like Whoopi Goldberg is probably busy, but like it would have been very interesting for uh, to have a Guinan and Picard scene now post because she was the one who right eventually was like no i you you've got to go talk to him it is a standard track thing particularly tng I, I think where it's people will stand in for the conversations they would have with other people um because you don't want to repeat the conversation again or you don't want to you know so i can kind of see him having that conversation with with will instead of Whoopi Goldberg, even though I I would have liked her perspective on it too, because she ultimately, because remember in the episode, she was so, what the fuck are you doing with the Borg on the ship? You got to bring it back and kill. You got to kill it. You got to, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like to see that come full circle would have been interesting, but that's not, I'm not faulting the episode for not having her in it. I'm just saying that I, I I would have, I I think there's too much in the episode. That's why I gave it a seven. Yeah. I give it an eight and I, and I, I'm not going to be honest with you. I'm not entirely sure why. I think it's got all this cool stuff in it and cool fight scenes and cool, uh, you know, I love the Borg. And and I, you know, it's uh, as I say, it is almost too comic booky that it's the Borg plus lore. But I kind of love that comic book stuff. So I don't have a problem with that. Um, I don't either. You know. I don't know, maybe it's something that the plot itself is, you know, uh, maybe this isn't fair because it's like a first, first. Yeah, it's the first part. There is no plot. I don't know, but really, but I mean, that's kind of it. It's interesting that there's been a couple of two parters where I don't remember what it was the one where data has dreams and like the whole first one is that oh yeah and then the second one was is is warf with on the klingon planet that has nothing to do with the first one practically um so this one feels like it's going to be more tied in the same way best of both worlds is but uh um yeah i don't know i think it's real good uh this is the longest you've ever gone on about your i enemies. know i think it's because i'm not sure why Just i'm gonna give go it up a to an eight ten who cares like, I'm going to go up to like an 8.5. There you give it a 9. Just for Andy. all the, the you, you, clever. I feel like you're feeling a 9 inside of you. I'm not. Like I, the truth is I'm feeling lower. 
I'm I'm feeling lower, but I can't like I can't reason. It has everything that I would want in an episode, and I can't reason why. That's what I'm tra- why I'm jabbering I, like an I idiot. Mean, look, it's I think I think part of it is the that it's the pacing, and it doesn't feel quite like TNG. I don't agree that the pacing one way or the other. And I don't I don't think it's that fast. I think you're right that the plot turns happen happen, but I, to me they're kind of appropriate. It's like oh, where well, they're really escalating on each level, but uh, on each yes, but uh, to an absurd break. degree. In I my mind, I don't know if I agree. Well, you, like you say, like the comic book thing of it all, right? It's like you have. Jordy, well, the lore thing have, is definitely if, a I'll huge kill, move. Would you kill Jordy to feel that way again? Yes, I would. Act like it's all like, right. That's that's pretty large. Yeah, very. Pretty let's large. twist all of our mustaches every I act. Agree. That's pretty large. Um, and then, but and I then think you, that I assume you, that's just to set up a big thing with the Bajoran guard in and part then you, two. That, yeah, uh, sure. And then you and then you end it with your big supervillain team up, where Doctor Doom is finally working with fucking Thanos <laughs> well, or something. You know what I mean? It's like, but like I say, yeah, I agree with you. It's totally huge, and like I said, comic booky. Yes, but it's huge. It but doesn't I, bother me. Like I like that. It doesn't bother me either. I would have liked more time with it all. That's all. I mean, I hear what you're saying. I don't. It, it that didn't bump me, but something is bumping me. I well, give it maybe it won't 5. bump you anymore when we see the trailer for part two. Exciting stuff. Here we go. Oh, should I watch this? I guess I got to. Should you? What do you mean? We always do it. <laughs> True. You, know, you want spoilers for a thirty-second commercial we all had to see when we were waiting for this show to come back? <laughs> have to. Data has joined forces with the deadliest of enemies. Data, I can sense feelings in you. I've helped him to break free. He vows to but kill only the when crew you're not without in a of silence. Drop it, or I'll break his neck on a mission to destroy the Federation. Helm, get us out of here. <laughs> destroy the existing brain cells. I want you to kill Picard. On the next exciting episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. I mean, very I would say that that's very not spoilery. Because that's kind of where you think it's going anyway, right? Yeah. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. 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 Uh, all right. So that's next week. <laughs> Exciting. In the meantime, uh, we can finally go disengage ourselves here. <laughs> all right. It's very late. It's 1130 p.m. And I have to be up at 510. What for? I have a 620 a.m. tea time in Glendale. Well, you don't have to. That was your choice for your own pleasure. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, I have to because I said I would. Now I'm like, <laughs> I understand, but you're you're laying it out the same way you would lay it out for work, and this is this I have is your to choice. get up. Like if you want, if you're like going on a trip tomorrow and you had to get up really early, you would say the same thing. I got to get up before. I got to go to the airport. Right, I guess. It's really, like you really set that up like it was like you were somebody. Oh man, I gotta do this thing. It's like, well, you're gonna go and and chat and, and have smoke and have a beer on a golf course. I'm not having a beer at six twenty in the morning. <laughs> I don't know what you do on a golf course. Who are you going with? Uh, first AD Nicole. Last oh, Monday nice. we went with the uh, Nicole Lou buddy. Thanks night. for the invite, Matt. I didn't know you golf. Do you golf? I mean, I'm terrible, but I do. You have a set of clubs? Of course not. Oh. Well, I need I'm Andy Secunda. I don't have a set of clubs. <laughs> I like that sound clip. I'm Andy Secunda. I don't have a set of clubs. <laughs> I love it. I love it so much. All right, everybody. Um, where's this? Here we go. Disengage. 
Follow Star Trek The Next Conversation on social media. You can find them on Instagram and Twitter at Star Trek TNC. On Facebook, search for Star Trek TNC and join the face group. Send comments, questions, prime correctives, and anything else to sttncpod at gmail.com. And if you'd like to leave a voice hail, call 816-TREK-TNC. That's 816-873-5862. For callers outside of the United States, use country code PLUS1. And don't worry, no one answers the phone, it's only for messages. If you've got something to mail to Matt or Andy, send it to Andrew Secunda, P.O. Box 46898, Los Angeles, California, 90046. And please send an email to let them know that something is coming. Finally, to support the podcast and get even more content, visit patreon.com forward slash Star Trek TNC. Be a lieutenant for only $5 per month or join the President Circle for $17.01 per month.